Hi there, everyone. Welcome to our very first Being podcast. Hi, Emma. This is so exciting, although I'm slightly worried that no one's going to like our chat. Anyway, I guess if it all sounds shit, we can just hit delete and pretend it didn't happen. So, um, anything exciting with you since we have Being in October? Um, well, just the little thing of me getting accidentally pregnant, you know, um, actually while we're on holiday with you. Oh, lovely. <laughs> Glad to see I bring that, I bring that out in people. Um, I think, yes, I think I remember that holiday as I spent the t- whole time throwing up being sick because I had morning sickness and, um, you, Tom and Matt got drunk. So that was lovely. <laughs> um, well, yeah, and then I guess the, the surprises have just kept coming since then. Um, we went for our scan, just to make sure it was true. Um, and apparently there wasn't just one, there was two. So we're <laughs> going to have three babies, 60 months and under, come the end of March. Not what good. fun. <laughs> <laughs> Not going to lie, I thoroughly enjoyed getting that text message. Yes, and this all came about while I was still on maternity leave. And so I had another spanner in the works the day after I decided to hand my notice in. Because, you know, I wanted something a bit more flexible, new year, new start and all that. Turns out within a matter of days, I was jobless for the foreseeable and grown two humans. Talk about a life plan going tips up. New Kate? <laughs> um, well, you beat me. I feel like I don't leave. I either leave the flat to go to work or I leave work to go to the flat. Um so I think, you know, I got, obviously, uh, I got accidentally pregnant too. Um, and I guess for the record, for everyone listening, Emma copied me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> turns out increased fertility is a thing post-baby, people. So watch out. Um, um, we're still, yeah, we're still not sure how this happened. I think Tom keeps saying it's not his. Um, <laughs> I guess I've gone back to work. Um, and I just feel like all I do is live with the logistics. I'm either trying to deliver at work, trying to deliver at home. Um, Yeah. Anyway, it's pretty boring. And I don't think anyone cares about me and our podcast. Oh, so. um, Surely not. Why why don't you tell us what these podcasts are all going to be about? Well, as you know, the overall overall aim of being Mumfest was to help empower mums and mums-to-be and prepare them so not to feel like they were going to be the worst parents in the world. Like us. Exactly. <laughs> Exhibit A and B. Um, and then we just thought, didn't we, that we bring together a range mm-hmm. of experts and people going through similar things into one space at one time to learn, learn from and support each other. Yes. As we know from our previous life, you can't always leave the house to attend a festival. And for those who couldn't attend for various reasons, you know, for example, the whole bump, versus weekend tourist battle we started to receive requests for recordings of some of the festival sessions which then gave us that light bulb moment ping cha-ching <laughs> <laughs> besides doing a virtual reality event live from your sofa i mean that would be cool um we can create a podcast series and bring together a range of guests to share their stories a few tips a touch of hope or even just a bit of honest reality oh sounds good so who is this for who's the podcast going to be for well one of the things we learned from last year's festival is it's not just mums that need to be kept sane but dads too woo dads 
I think Tom and Tom and um, Matt definitely said that. Yeah. <laughs> they felt left out, didn't they? <laughs> they did feel left out. Daddy daycare for the whole weekend. Um, so yeah, so the podcast is for parents out there, whether you know all shapes, all sizes, um, and the plan is to help parents feel like they aren't the worst ones in the world, and just sharing interesting stories and from them and specialists in the field sounds lovely so what is on who's on the lineup well we've got gay dads telling their adoption stories we've got Adele who the daily mail seem to be obsessed with educating us on, on about their free parenting life we've got the bachelor's very own Alex Marks who also is, will be making an appearance to tell us his journey into the usual usually women's domain of postnatal training so all sorts excellent and that brings us on nicely it's as if we prepared to our first <laughs> guest the inspirational helen helen hello hello how are you doing yeah i'm good thank you great so um you came to our attention because you've been on the news recently mm-hmm. um i guess in one sentence can you can you tell us why i recently took my previous employer Lizelle Beauty Company, um, which is part of the bigger Walgreens Boots Alliance, to tribunal for unfair dismissal and maternity discrimination, and I won on both counts. Well, it sounds yeah. like a great result. <laughs> it sounds like a horrible process. Um, do you mind going back to the beginning at all? Like, how did this all start? Um, well, eight months, eighteen months ago, I'd been working at Lizelle for five years in digital marketing. Um, I was eight months pregnant and about to start my maternity leave in a few weeks uh, when there was an announcement that there'd be a restructure to the team and my role along with two others was actually going to be disappearing. However, seven um, new heads were actually going to be brought on. So um, a digital consultant, Julie Slaymaker, had been brought onto the business and she decided to put this restructure in place. Um, several week, weeks before, we'd actually had a discussion, her and I, about my role and how it'd be expanding. Mm. Um, but my manager subsequently informed her of my pregnancy and those conversations never happened again. And then the next thing I knew, this restructure was happening. Um, so obviously then I went into the consultation period. Um, now, that's And what does that mean, Sorry. So in the consultation period, uh, that's when the company and myself have an opportunity to look for other roles within the business, see if there's any way for me to be able to avoid redundancy. So it's obviously quite a stressful time. And within that period, Mm. I applied for a couple of other roles within the business, both digital marketing roles. Mm -hmm. Uh, At my pay grade, I had experience for, there would have been a slight bit of extra training needed, just where it's a different role to my own, but nothing kind of untoward Mm -hmm. Uh, but I didn't receive an interview for either of those positions and did they tell you why uh well they did there was one of the roles uh they wanted me to do a test for Mm -hmm. um and I got five out of 12 on this data analyst analytical test for for it what transpired from the tribunal is that the test was set up really to block me from getting an interview so it was done under exam conditions there was 30 minutes in which to do it with just a calculator and a pen and a data sheet um so yeah 30 minutes to answer 12 questions and it was just impossible to answer those questions in the time given now the external candidate who actually was given that job 
didn't actually they were they we were told that they had got 11 out of 12 on the test but what came out was that in fact they hadn't ever actually done the test the test had been they lied about the test it hadn't been given to them so yeah oh my god complete fabrication they didn't have the test they couldn't prove that it had been done even if the person had done the test they would have been emailed the test and not had it under these strict 30 minute kind of uh, conditions so I mean that was a key part of the maternity discrimination case the fact that a male external colleague who was known to the digital consultant was brought on and he was actually recruited before I'd even finished my consultation period so yeah, it was all a bit fishy. Mm. And then I guess you ended up, yeah, tell us more. So then so that, after the consultation period, well, my consultation um, that happened. Period, yeah. yeah, it only lasted two weeks. So there was two weeks between me finding out that my job was up for redundancy and my final day in the office. So obviously I was under immense pressure and stress. I was applying for these roles. Um, I was trying to see if there were any other roles in the business. Um, my manager had recently um, left the business and she was asked not to tell us that, that she was leaving. And so we only found out two weeks before she actually left the role, just before we found out about the restructure. Um, and then we were subsequently told that that role had already been recruited for. Again, what we found out in the tribunal was that that uh, that job was offered again to a known external candidate to the digital consultant and it was offered after they'd known about the restructure and after I'd gone into my consultation period and obviously that was a role that I could have effectively gone for and interviewed for and the judge thought I probably would have had a 50% chance of getting that role so there was just like lots of different ways where it was kind of blocked from me staying within the business and they kept coming back to this term that they needed somebody to hit the ground running but obviously, mm. at eight months pregnant, I couldn't hit the ground running. Yeah, you just hit it heavily. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. um, so I guess in the end, you ended up going to trial um, and you went up, like you said, against Walgreens, against Liz Earl, like behemoth um, organisations. And you did this, I believe, without a solicitor. Now, firstly, this sounds crazy. Um, and secondly, I guess, you know, what happened with the trial and why did you do this? Did you not have a choice at all? So when I first found out about the restructure, I did speak to a solicitor in the first case. So it was a woman called Madeline who works for Workwise Legal and she was excellent. She was really supportive, but it's very expensive to have a solicitor. So she was £300 an hour. Now, just speaking to her for three hours to kind of get a feel for whether I had a case or not set me back 900 pounds and she advised me that if I was going to carry on with a solicitor throughout this process by the time I came to the end of it the if I even if I was to win it would probably only cover the cost of having the solicitor throughout that whole process so she was really good at encouraging me to go it alone she said you know it's tribunals are set up there it's free to take any business to tribunal to an employment tribunal um it's set up so that you can be a litigant in person, so you can represent yourself. Obviously, it's hard. You're up against a barrister, but it is possible. So she really kind of gave me the confidence to carry it forward, really. I mean, I didn't really have much of a choice. I either carried it forward myself or dropped it altogether. But 
I was so adamant that what had happened to me was wrong that I decided to see it through. Mm. Good for you. Um, now, I'm only listening to the story and it sounds a little bit stressful having to do that, especially, um, you know, while on mat leave. Um, I guess, like, how, how did you feel at the time? Well, it obviously cast a huge shadow over my the whole of my maternity leave. Um, you know, I was, I, I'm the kind of breadwinner for the family, so the kind of financial implications were scary. You know, obviously it was humiliating to me. I felt isolated. You know, I should have been being sent off from work with celebration by my, you know, colleagues, but instead I was kind of unemployed, really. So it was kind of a weird situation. Um, so I feel like it kind of sucked a lot of the excitement out of the experience. Mm. Um, and then obviously going to the trial, um, they kind of dragged their feet quite a lot and tried to postpone it and things. So I had to wait a full 18 months to be able to take it to trial. So it just seemed to be going on forever. I just wanted it to be over and to be able to draw a line under it. But obviously that didn't happen. Mm, and I imagine you had a lot of sleepless nights, not just because of the baby, but because of the trial as well. Yes, yeah. And even <laughs> a couple of weeks ago when I was doing the trial, I mean, that in itself was hard because it was full on days. There was no real time to stop to eat or drink. And then in the evenings, I was making sure I was fully prepared for the following day. But Alice, my daughter, was teething at the time. So one evening she could go down until like 11pm when I had to be getting stuff ready and a, Another night she was up at like 3am so it was a week of no food and no sleep basically and a lot of stress. And coffee I guess. And a lot of coffee yes. (laughs) Now um, I guess good news is you did win which is absolutely amazing Um, and you got a settlement of I think it was about £17,000. Now how does that make you feel? Do you think um, you know the 17k is sufficient? I don't I don't feel that the 17k is enough to make up for the amount of stress and upset that I've been put through for both myself and my family. Um, it helps towards the financial hardship that I was thrown into, but it's in no way sufficient. Um, the fact that the fact that they were wrong all along and they put me through the or- ordeal of a tribunal instead of just holding up their hands up is just beyond me. You know, they had all the facts in front of them and yet they still decided to put me through all that. I was actually offered um, a 30k settlement on the morning of uh, that we, I was going to find out the verdict. Oh really? Um, so, they, so they thought, oh we're going to lose here, we'll, we'll try and keep you quiet. Yeah and that came with a non-negotiable gagging clause. Now by that point I'd been through the whole trial and I'd gone through so much that the idea of being silenced was just terrible and not having having that verdict after you know I was really proud of how I'd managed to kind of put my case across and I didn't know if I was going to win or not because I'm not a lawyer and I didn't have a solicitor there but I just felt that it had gone too too far that I wanted to see it through to the end and for me at that point justice was far more important I knew that I would end up getting less money because my claim was for 24,000 so I knew I wouldn't get get 30,000 and I knew I could probably push more than 30,000 from them but I was just unwilling to to do that and not be able to talk about it again Mm, well I I appreciate you being able to talk about it because I think you opening up and sharing this will hopefully you know help other people that are potentially going through something similar at the moment so thank you so much that's okay I mean yeah it's a tricky it's a tricky one to to make a decision on isn't it because obviously the money would have been good 
for my family but so many women out there are silenced and since the trials happened I've had so many people come forward and speak to me about how you know it's happened to them but they they had made had a settlement and they can't talk about it and they never really fully got closure but I thought by the point I'd gone through the trial I just had to see it through to the end really because I think only one percent of women actually get to that stage so Mm. I was in a situation where I could actually help other people Mm. no thank you and that that's a sad statistic isn't it one percent um going back to this kind of um it being about women point so it seems like there was another woman from what you were saying was kind of pushing for your redundancy um did you see a difference in how you were treated by each sex at all so there were two there were two main people behind my redundancy there was julie slaymaker who was the digital consultant and there was lynn Ellsbury, the hr director who was supporting julie in her decision to do the restructure so they're both women they both had families of their own they in no way seemed phased by the fact that I was eight months pregnant. Both of these women were new to the business. They wanted to impress and prove that they could make swift changes, kind of regardless to the impact that it had on employees. Um, and it, even at the tribunal, the HR director, who I was cross-examining, said that the business needed to come first. And I asked her at all costs, to which she replied no comment. So that was the kind of mindset that I was up against. So I don't really think that that sex plays a part in it I think it's more to do with people's mindset and their own individual prejudices Mm. I mean it was my second maternity leave within that company Mm -hmm. the first time when I'd come back after having my son Dexter I experienced uh, my role was stripped back and I lost a lot of my responsibility and in that scenario I actually had a male manager so I yeah I think it happens comes from both sexes really Mm. and I guess this is quite a horrible question to ask. Do you think they were just, I don't know, looking for an excuse to get rid of you? Perhaps perhaps you're not actually that good at your job and they were using maternity to get rid of your responsibilities, get rid of you as a whole. Um, you know, how, how have you thought about that at all? Or were you grilled on that at all, I guess? Well, fortunately for me, I'd had my performance review just two months before the restructure announcement. Um, and in it, I'd had glowing appraisal from my manager. I'd scored four out of five, which was performing well above average. I had five years experience there within the company. Um, I had the month before been sent on a four day training course to Nottingham um, on a marketing course that uh, WBA, Walgreens Boots Alliance, um, likes to send all of the marketing people within the business onto. So from my perspective, it looked like I had a bright future there. I was well respected knew lots of the stakeholders within the business so no I don't think it was anything to do with my performance I'd never worked directly with Julie Slaymaker before she'd only she was new to the business um and when I went to my first consultation meeting both Julie and Lynn said that they'd never actually had a look at had seen my CV before they hadn't actually seen it before that meeting so yeah it was nothing to do the only thing they did know about me was that I was about to start my maternity leave and that I was pregnant Mm. Mm, lovely <laughs> so um I guess like this I, I well, you've got a good result which is which is great um but how are you now like what are you doing now I'm guessing you're not not back at Lizelle <laughs> no are you okay yeah I'm okay I've got a new role so I work as a digital marketing manager in a telecoms company now which is good I've been there since August um unfortunately 
it's a company that kind of respects women within the workplace and I feel that you know I feel that I'm in a company now where they actually like to empower women whereas at Lizelle that wasn't the case Mm. and are they a bit more flexible because obviously parenting and working is a logistical nightmare yeah so I work full-time obviously it was hard for me to be able to find a job you know I had to go back full-time really because if I was going back to Lizelle I could have put in for flexible working hours if I wanted to however starting a role from scratch you don't really have that option I think you have to be there is it six months or a year before you Mm. have that option so I'm working full-time but they are flexible when it comes you know they understand that people have families so they are relatively flexible um, which is great Um, and that was something that I didn't experience in my previous role Um, it was very inflexible Um, Mm. so yeah well, I'm glad things. That, I'm glad you got a good result, and it sounds like you're enjoying your new job. Um, and I guess, like taking this back to, you know, your time on mat leave, um, dealing with all of that, like you said, had it had its own stresses. Um, do you think, you know, this affected like bonding with your baby at all, or any of that, you know, that quality quality time that you that you have when with a newborn? It definitely affected my maternity leave. Um... I was a lot more stressed and I was a lot more emotional than I would have been. And I did feel like it kind of tarnished what should be a very special time. Mm. Um, I'd like to think that it didn't affect my relationship with my daughter. I tried to focus very much on the fact that worrying about it wasn't going to actually fix the problem. And it would just kind of steal, steal the joy from the moment, but not actually change anything that was going to happen tomorrow or, you know, a year down the line. So, yeah, by trying to hold on to that, I tried to kind of appreciate every moment that I spent with her. So, it, yeah, it did cast a shadow over my maternity leave, but I would like to think it didn't affect my bonding with her. Yeah. And maybe little Alice is going to be a barrister now. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I guess, like, I guess one of the things that got you through this, it sounds like you've just got such a kind of can-do positive approach. Um like do you think you're a one-off like you mentioned earlier that um lots of people have been in touch with you and said oh you know we've been gagged we're not allowed to talk about this do you think lots of women experience or have experienced something similar either going on mat leave drawing or returning returning to work post mat leave yes I know well I know for a fact that they do so from what I've experienced at Lizelle it happens there again and again so people going on maternity leave or looking to return from maternity leave or finding their roles and responsibilities have changed or the fact that they don't they won't let people work flexibly looking outside of that company you know I have lots of friends who've experienced similar I think half of my NCT group so half of eight of us have faced discrimination when we came back after having our first child and since the hearing I've had hundreds and hundreds of women contact me having gone through it or they're currently going through it And as I said before, so many of these women have been silenced, um, which is why I felt enough was enough, really, and something had to be said. But a lot of people have said how it's how my story has kind of helped them to feel a bit more positive because it's such a stressful thing to go through. So I think having that story out there that somebody has actually seen it through to the end and has had a positive outcome is kind of empowering for people. Mm. And you question everything, don't you? When you first have a baby, you start to kind of, you know, it's a totally new experience. 
So then I guess if this is going on at work at all, you then start questioning, oh, am I actually good at my job? Oh, I thought I was okay. I thought, you know, I thought everything was fine. I guess Exactly. You're so, you're so vulnerable at that time. Mm. The best part of the whole trial was having the actual verdict. So when I got a positive, when I, when I won on both unfair dismissal and maternity discrimination, the judge then spent over an hour going through all of the evidence and the reasons why I'd won. And to me, that was kind of the best part of it all and the best outcome from the eight, last 18 months because it made me realise that I wasn't imagining it. It was all true. You know, the evidence had been looked through, witness statements, cross-examination, and they had seen exactly what I had seen. Because you do start to doubt yourself. You do start to think, am I, you know, am I insane? Am I just making this all up? Yeah. Do I... <laughs> am I actually not very good at my job? You know, I'm, yeah, I'm sleep deprived. I've got lots of hormones. Am I going nuts? Yeah. So that was me thinking, do you know what? It did actually happen. And I'm not insane. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that was the that was the best piece of all. Good. And I guess, um, like you said, there are, you know, lots of people have been in touch with you. 50% of your NCT group have gone through some kind of um, something similar at work. Have you got any practical advice that you'd give to other people out there who are potentially going through something similar? Yeah, I think that really they just need to just, well, just don't accept what is happening. Don't accept what is happening to you because if it feels wrong, it probably is. I would say that they need to stand up and make their voice heard. The only way that we can really make these businesses listen is if we make a stand and show them that they can't be a law unto themselves. Um, there are laws that are in place to protect both the health of the mother and the baby. And these laws need to be understood by companies because motherhood is not just a life, it's not a lifestyle choice, you know, so you shouldn't be made to feel guilty. You have a right to be treated fairly. So I think people should be encouraged to stand up for themselves. And then the other good tip that you said talked about earlier was kind of going to a solicitor and kind of spending a little bit of more money up front just to check, you know, where you kind of stand before you make a big investment. Yes, definitely. So I think you could probably do that without having to spend very much money at all. I mean, um, Pregnant Then Screwed offer some free legal advice. So, you know, you could always go to a company like that and they would give you probably, you know, half an hour or so to, to kind of... Put, tell them what your case is and kind of get a feel for whether you have a case or not but I definitely felt in my for my case it did help having that initial person have a look at it and say yes you know the this is the areas where they've done things incorrectly these are the areas that you need to focus focus on and that kind of gave me the courage to take it further um so I think if you were going to if you're going to invest any money in it, yeah, do it at the very beginning. But then I would definitely say that it's possible to do it yourself going forward because, you know, it's such an ex 300 pounds an hour is like ridiculous, isn't it? It's expensive. So yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> that's going to add a lot more stress. I mean, if I was going to tribunal and I was kind of totting up how much it was costing me, you know, throughout all of that is a four day trial. So, you know, I would have been a lot more stressed if I knew that it was costing me a lot more money. Yeah, no, 100%, 100%. Um, and I guess, kind of looking forward, um, in 20 years' time, when um, Alice comes and asks you for some career advice, what, you know, have you learned anything from this experience and what advice would you give her? Um, I would probably, 
That's tough. And I'd probably encourage her to, you know, be confident in herself, know her own worth and ensure that she's respected in her chosen career. At the end of the day, everybody deserves to be treated fairly and with respect. So I think really you just have to stand up for yourself, don't you? And make your voice heard. So that's probably the advice that I'd give. Yeah, have a little faith. Don't be scared to stick up for yourself. Yeah. And like keep professional at all times, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, I kept professional throughout, throughout the trial, throughout the consultation period. You know, I kept it together. I didn't get overly angry or, you know, I was very professional. But at the same time, I knew what was right and I stuck to my guns. So, mm-hmm. you know, you just need to kind of stick up for yourself because you will have a crisis of confidence. You, you know, everybody doubts themselves, don't they? But you just have to know that that little voice in your head is is not always the reality. Mm. And how, how how do you feel now? Relief? <laughs> I do. I, I mean, I feel massively <laughs> relieved that it's over. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm still quite I'm still quite angry about the whole thing, especially as I don't feel like I've had. I've received an adequate apology from the company. Um, I think they were pushed several times by a local journalist to to apologise and then they said that they had fallen short of their standards. I think being found guilty of directly discriminating against somebody is a lot more than falling short of your standards. They haven't really held their hands up and admitted you know, to what they've done, even though it's been proven. So I still feel a bit bitter about that, but... Mm-hmm. And do you think it will change anything? Do you think your trial will change anything for anyone going on maternity next week in Liz Earl? I hope, I do hope so. I mean, I've had I've had people contact me, as I said before, lots of people contact me, but I have had people who work for Walgreens Boots Alliance or, you know, Boots and other companies within in that um, company contact me to say that they're suffering and going through similar issues. Um, one of those people has contacted me to say that the company, when she went for her next consultation meeting last week, had actually done a 180 and changed their mind about making her redundant. And she had mentioned the fact that she mentioned, well, she asked whether my case had had an effect on that. And they said that they were taking learnings. So that's a good sign that maybe some people are listening um, and hopefully it will be a benefit to people. But Well, it sounds that sounds like you know what more could you ask for in terms of you know wanting to help other people out there it sounds like you've already helped um one person in a similar situation so congrats thank you (laughs) and thank you (laughs) Um, thank you so much I guess like thank you so much for sharing your story Helen I guess it's not very nice having to go through that let alone relive that so really really appreciate it thank Um, you you really are an inspiration to all us working women out there. So thank you. <laughs> well, it's been great. It's been really good being able to share my story and talk to you all about it. Um, the most important thing for me really is kind of getting the story out there and shared because I just think, you know, obviously I took the financial hit by not not being silenced. So I want to kind of empower as many people as possible, really brilliant and we'll do our best to share it for sure so thank you so much thank you thank you so much Helen for sharing your story I know that can't have been easy to relive that um and just thanks so much you really are an inspiration to all us women um that are working out there um Emma I guess what lessons do you think we can take from today 
maybe one tip everyone is to not be like Emma and get accidentally pregnant while still on mat leave and thinking of a job change (laughs) (laughs) yep thanks for that Kate (laughs) (laughs) Helen we think you're amazing and hats off to you for the result you achieved I mean I can't even imagine what your hormones were doing at that time and with the result you got out of it amazing um so after hearing your story I think there's a couple of key takeaways that could really help working women out there firstly on a practical level if you are having issues with work whether that's on maternity leave returning to work or working while pregnant there are people out there to help you no matter what your financial situation is like Helen said pregnant and screwed with the people that supported her and they offer free legal advice a mentor scheme for women taking legal action against an employer and a flexible working helpline. So give them a shout. Secondly, this David and Goliath battle that Helen won hopefully inspires you to not just accept things because you're a parent. It's not okay to miss a promotion because you're on mat leave. It's not okay to be invited to lead a meeting because you're pregnant. I mean, let's be honest, it's hard enough juggling parenting with a career, let alone having to fight harder. Prove yourself more just because you now have a little one to look after. Helen has paved the way for people who've missed opportunities at work due to being a parent. And the more that people do this, the less acceptable this will be. So know your worth, ladies, and fight your corner. Helen, thank you so much for sharing. Oh, well said, Emma. Um, we're almost, unfortunately, we're almost out of time. So um, I guess just quickly, who are we talking to next? Next, we are talking to the lovely At Two Dads in London, um, who will be telling us all about their journey into parenthood, adoption, with all the fun things like court cases, prejudice, and um, yeah, just general life. Um, So yeah, tune in next time and we will see you then. Thanks everyone. Bye.